If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I, I, you know, I've taken my art background and uh, learned how to graphically uh, spread a design long and narrow, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's a fun challenge. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Jenny Gallo. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend our days doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting, with a touch of custom dropped in here and there. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, is basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing pencil, needle and thread attached at really high speed. If you are a machine quilter, I have a couple of things that might be of interest to you. I have a YouTube live streaming episode the first and third Friday of every month. And in those episodes, I work on a project and let you see it from start to finish. So it's kind of a chance to look over my shoulder in my studio, see the decisions that I'm making, the choices, maybe even the challenges that I'm facing in a given project, and I'll just kind of talk my way through that project as I work on it. So it's a great chance, especially if you're newer to machine quilting, to just see how some of these roadblocks, if you will, are addressed and how I progress through a quilt. So I invite you to have a look first and and third Friday of every month um, over on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. These episodes, if you can attend live, are interactive too, and so you can actually ask questions and I'll answer them while I'm working. Secondly, I have a class on quilting the all-over feather that is free for anyone. Um, It does require registration so that you get access to the class. Quilted feathers are, um, they've always been eye-catching from, you know, the earliest hand-quilted ones to the more ornate and elaborate machine-quilted ones that we see in shows today. But in between there somewhere is the very graceful all-over feather that just covers a whole quilt top. So that's the topic of this class. And in it, I'll show you how to really achieve graceful and flowing feathers. They can be intimidating for machine quilters. So I'll start with the basic feather shape, talk about even coverage on the quilt, show you how to avoid awkward corners, even to customize little details of your quilted feather. So it's all there and I will walk you through it and demo the quilting step by baby step. So if you wish to register for that, simply head to my website and a sign-up form will pop up. Or if you're an Instagram user, just DM me the word feather. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, 
but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. My guest Jenny and I will talk today about some of the projects that she's created using keepsake or treasured linens. And a lot of us who come from crafting families do have these things like handkerchiefs or tablecloths or dresser scarves. And it's always, you know, they get packed away in bins or in acid-free boxes and we don't always remember what we have. So my tip today is a way to store a record or an inventory of those. Use Pinterest. So in Pinterest, you, you need an account, but it's free, but you can at any time create a board, kind of like a virtual bulletin board, and it can be secret if you want. You, it can be just for your own personal reference, and in it, you can record both ideas for doing things with these keepsake items, but more importantly, you can actually take photographs on your smartphone and quickly upload them or share them to your Pinterest board, keeping photos of what you have. Further, you can add notes to that picture. So for example, I have a lot of handkerchiefs and maybe I want to make a note, I have 27 of them, so that when I'm in the fabric store and I'm trying to calculate if I have enough for a quilt or how much more fabric I might need, those details are all right at my fingertips. So use a secret board on Pinterest to inventory your lovely keepsakes. You know that I love my coffee. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one yummy coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. Thank you so much for your support in this way. It really helps us to continually improve our equipment and thus the podcast that we bring to you. So maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Welcome, Jenny. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thanks for calling upon me, Susan. This is going to be great fun. I, you know, don't know you in, in a former life, haven't met you at shows, but I met you through your feed and through a mutual friend. And I was so charmed scrolling through your feed at the projects that you're working on now. But before we dive into those, would you tell me a little about some of your early crafting or sewing projects and kind of what led you in the direction of your current work? Absolutely. Um, thanks for asking about that. Um, I've always been a sewer. My mother taught me how to sew. I think it was about second grade. My dad was um, doing a military stint away from home for several weeks. And I think to keep us all sane, she needed projects. <laughs> and um, sewing became one of them. And I was hooked from the beginning. I actually remember even back before that sewing cards and just that was a, you know, so it's just in me. I come from a long line of um generations of sewers and artists and um, artistic people. So it's definitely a genetic thing for me. Um, and I, I uh, became an art teacher after going to school for art education, uh, university for art education. And um, that was my first step into the professional life. But on the side, I was quilting um, at that time. Yes. So um, you know, how one thing leads to another. It for sure does. And so you now, this is your business now, right? You actually have a studio. And does studio mean a physical location or like a, a creative entity? Um, it's a physical location, but in my home. Okay. I have the lower level of our house, um, which is just perfect. Um, I can work at any hour. 
that I want. I can work in my pajamas. Don't tell. I'm the same way. <laughs> I know. Never yeah, underestimate it's a, the power of creativity and PJs. You know, you just got to strike when the iron's hot. That's right. <laughs> Is that the right phrase? But it, it also, I've, I've had to learn to separate business from family and, um, and that was a process, but um, it all works really well now. Yes, that's really good point. And if we have a time, we'll come back to that because that's often a thing for creatives and particularly for ones that work from their home is finding and striking that balance. But we'll come back that's to that one. That's um, good. I want to know about the name of your studio. I know that there's a story there. I want to hear it. Carrot Top Studio. I love it. Absolutely. That's my business, Carrot Top Studio, and it's um, been in existence for almost 18 years now. I, I'm so thankful. Um, as a child, um, I'm, I'm still a redhead, but as a child, my red hair was kind of fire engine, orangish red. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hide in a crowd well, and because of that, had much uh, teasing, schoolyard teasing. And, um, you know, that was not easy to take. But when the business was evolving, I knew that I needed a name that would allow for um, different types of products because I know that life evolves and right. I evolve as a person and I wasn't quite sure exactly which I would stick with or how it would grow. So Carrot Top Studio became um, the name. It's a name that people seem to be able to remember easily, especially well, right, because it doesn't get lost in a crowd. Yeah, there you go. That's I love the that. Of it. I may have to use that. Do it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, again, one thing led to another, and I turned the uh, the ugliness of a childhood moment into a, a really happy thing. Good for you. That's great. Um, tell me some of some of maybe the evolutions that your business has taken. What are some of the types of projects that you've done over the years? Absolutely. Um, you know, the business started because of a volunteer opportunity. It's one of my very best stories, I think. And um, a friend called me from my church and said, have you ever seen worship banners anywhere? Um, and I had. And she said, what about creating some? And at the time, I had small children at home, and I, I wasn't teaching in a classroom anymore and was kind of feeling, you know, where I might go next, Um so I took on the volunteer challenge and we made worship banners, which ended up feeling like making quilts. Um, yes. They weren't quilted, but they had the top layer and the inner layer and the backing and um, and all those piecing and applique techniques um, just that I love doing. Um, so that was a really wonderful thing. And I turned that into the business and I first started making worship banners which was a little tricky because each church space is different and unique and they need the right size. So there wasn't a uniform to that. Right. Um, so my husband said to me one day, well, how about those things that pastors wear around their necks, those long skinny scarf like things? Oh, stoles. They're called stoles. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think I can make stoles. They're too tiny. Well, he purpose, he persisted. And, um, one thing led to another and I sold my first stoles on eBay that was back in the eBay hotness Interesting. era. So about how yeah. wide are they? That like that really uh, is a limited um, space to be working in, isn't it? Yeah, about five and a half inches wow. um, on each side. I'm which, impressed. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've taken my art background and uh, learned how to graphically uh, spread a design long and narrow. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's a fun challenge. So the stole business grow, grew. Um, I'm so thankful for that. Um, have a website that has evolved over the years, 
and um, have added and toyed with other types of products, um, uh, paintings, drawings, um, stationery, stickers. <laughs> you know, I'm always looking for what I can do nude. I, I have maybe a limited attention span. But the stoles are my anchor, and um, I, I'm constantly trying something else to see what might work. And, and that's a great thing. That's how creative opportunities arise, absolutely. Absolutely. So on on your website and on your Etsy shop, you, you do have a number of different mediums. Is that the right word? Types of artwork available. Um, and Absolutely. some of them are kind of do-it-yourselfers. Tell us more about those. As in um, coloring and things like that is what I'm thinking Absolutely. Of. I have um, uh, several years ago, I um, had the opportunity to add an iPad to my life that um, I could draw on. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm real interested in technology and trying to stay up on that. I think that's good for my brain <laughs> as yes. I age. And um, so learned how to draw digitally and um, now offer some digital downloads. Um, a couple of them are free. So people should check out the Carrot Top Studio website to get a taste of something. Um, for sure. Maybe, maybe there are already people that color and, but maybe they'd like to give that a go. Um, I think coloring is therapeutic and um, yes. I'm all about mindful activities and that maybe um, bides well with why I'm a quilter. <laughs> yes. 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 So the digital drawing um, is something that's been added in, this, in the last several years. And um, those are worksheets, coloring pages, um, note cards that can all be downloaded from your home or your office. And even some of your original artwork you've made into prints. And I say that with kind of air quotes because it's available <laughs> to download and to print at home. And I think that's an awesome way to be able to share your art with people. You know, it's just, you just have to keep growing with the way the world is growing. I, I really believe in that. And I, I I love original art, but I also think that people should easily be able to access art. And um, this is a way of the world today. And it's a, it's a wonderful gift that people can do that. I think you hit on a really important thing there. Original art is very, very wonderful, but not everyone has access in terms of place or space or time or money. And so to make it accessible to everyone is really admirable. I appreciate that. I'm glad you understand. I was looking at a recent series that you've been working on, and I'm going to read a quote for our listeners, and maybe you want to elaborate on, on what, what came before this. You said, focusing on simple lines while paying attention to details became a conversation with nature. Mm. Yes. So something um, that's fairly new to my life, surprisingly, because artists really probably benefit from this practice all their career is uh, keeping a journal. And I, um, I, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I started doing daily drawings in a journal, um, sometimes with a prompt, sometimes not. And um I had a span of time where I was focusing on what was outside my studio. Um, it happened to be summer, and I live in Michigan where it's absolutely glorious in the summer. It's glorious all year round, but um, I can see a, a, a lot of different things in the summer than I do right now in my snow-covered world. And um, and I've always been drawn to lines. Um, you know, some artists are drawn to texture or shadows or values, but uh, lines speak to me, and... Um, and I think that, um, well, that translated into a series of art that um, has become note cards and um, some of those digital downloads that we were speaking of earlier. But it also makes me think of how lines speak to me in the quilting world. And um, I've always been drawn to, there are those, hashtag, uh, those air quotes again, yes. <laughs> drawn to uh, free motion 
stitching. And I think it's that whole line thing with me. Um, it's uh, lines, I think, provide energy yes. to work. And, um, and that translates into my uh, two dimensional art and my quilt, quilting world. Also. Yes. Well, thanks for elaborating on that. And I do encourage our listeners to check out your both your website and your Etsy shop because there are is such a variety of things available there. And in particular, your note cards are very, very beautiful. I enjoyed them. Thanks. Okay, going back to the stoles for a minute, because they just fascinate me that you can <laughs> produce such artistic, honestly, quilts because they have all the layers in this mm -hmm. very limited shape and size. So tell me about some of the most interesting ones that you've done. I know I saw at least one that was created with some vintage fabrics that belong to the pastor's family. Right. Um, you know, I... I keep things in stock that match the uh, seasons of the church year, Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, that type of thing. Right. But I really love taking on personal commissions. And uh, the stole that you're speaking of, um, the pastor had been ordained and um, new to her ministry and uh, had used in her ordination stole fabrics that were um, passed down from her family and... Then one of her very special family members passed on, and she inherited some of the, the fabrics from that special aunt. And we took her ordination stole, cut it apart, and made a backing, a new backing with some of those old fabrics, connected the two together so she had uh, kind of a history of her ministry and of her family and her upbringing all in one stole. Um, which really was, I'm, I'm always so honored to be asked to take on those special projects. That's amazing. I can only imagine how she feels, you know, when she steps up to a podium wearing that around her neck. That just must be strengthening in, in all the best ways. You know, it's her story and our yes. stories are really important. Um, yeah. What makes us who we are? Absolutely. Any others that come to mind when you think of um, projects that stretched you or projects that just were unique in some way? Um, oh gosh, one that stretched me was I have a pastor client who lives in way north um, Canada. and um, I know where that is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she ministers to um, people of the Inuit culture. Okay. And she wanted to connect with their um, meaningfulness and their culture to the, the outside world, the, na the nature, the natural world, and the animals in the world. So... She gave me a list of all those animals and the, what was happening in different seasons uh, around her. And we incorporated all of those things into uh, a stole and uh, creating all those animals and all their little details um, through machine applique was quite a challenge, but it, it just was so special and fun to take that on. I like, uh, I like a challenge, I think. Did, did <laughs> and, any uh, leather or any fur make its way into that? Like, was it textural too, or was it more drawing style a drawing style and I, I i think i painted on some fur details um but there was nothing um that stuck out of the stole um, and maybe that would, wouldn't have been would appropriate fun. but it's an idea 
Absolutely. I'm going I'm to jot that one down. Do. When we lived in Northern Canada, um, our children, of course, had friends who did various Northern things. And one was have a trap line. And so one of her little friends, I think she was in first grade, made her a tiny Christmas tree ornament. And it's like a little kind of an Eskimo type of shape. And then it's got a fur hat. And all you see in the ornament is this round fur. And if you open up the fur, there's a little face inside it. And it has been a favorite all these years. There's just That's something great. so tactile about that. We absolutely love that little ornament. Absolutely. Sounds great. Now, total side note. So <laughs> tell me more about some of your other interests. And I'll give you a starting point. I saw a picture of whoopie pies. And I have to ask... <laughs> What what does a whoopie pie mean to you? Because I have a version too, and I want to know what your version is. Oh, interesting. Um, so I spent most of my childhood and growing up years in eastern Pennsylvania, uh-huh. where there was a large Amish community, and they are known for their whoopie pies. And we, we say it a little differently than you do. I say whoopie instead okay. of whoopie. Okay, and, that's probably uh, the Canadian in me. <laughs> I, uh, yes, most likely. And... Um, to me, it means a chocolate cake-like cookie, double of those, with an inner layer of kind of a marshmallow cream. And um, yeah, they're they're one of my husband's favorites. So, Lots of people um, have never they, heard of them, but made, boy, you, you ought to give them a try. And homemade is the only way to go. The, the purchased ones I, just don't hold a candle. Totally, totally agree. <laughs> okay, do you want to hear my version? One of my kids found this recipe years ago, and it immediately became a family favorite. So our cookies are pumpkin and spice, and our filling in the middle is an ermine frosting. And if you don't know what that is, it it sounds kind of terrible, but the base of the frosting is cooked milk and flour, and then you beat in butter and sugar, and don't let those ingredients dissuade you. It is delicious. It whips up, and it's just less sweet than typical frosting. So it's my favorite frosting for everything. It sounds like we'll have to exchange recipes. We, and I'm will. afraid the recipe that is our favorite starts with a cake mix. Oh, and I just hate to admit that because you know, I'm a really good baker, but, um, you know, it's the one that we go with. So everybody's absolutely. got a little short. Absolutely. Little shortcuts. They matter. They matter. So, okay. So that was our whoopie pies. <laughs> you're, you're a gardener too. I am. You know, there's some, my hands just have to always be busy. <laughs> and I, I think that's one of the reasons why I related to that Nature Line series um, of drawings and paintings that I did is that um, the earth is really important to me and taking care of the earth and um, sustaining ourselves uh, the best we can um, through the things that we grow, yes. whether they're beautiful flowers or um, the fresh garlic from the, the garden. <laughs> and yeah, it is ever changing, but equally as creative as making a quilt or a stole, isn't it? I'm glad you understand. I'm a flower gardener, I would say, for the most part. And yes, I just I just love that whole process from beginning to end. Even the composting. I'm good with that. <laughs> Me too. We're kindred kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anything else you want to tell us about maybe new projects that are coming up or if I didn't highlight well enough the types of things that you have, say, in your Etsy shop that listeners might be interested in, let us know more about those. And then I'll be sure to include um, places to find all these things in the show notes. Oh, I so appreciate that. Um, uh, Two new projects. One for my clients is... um, because of COVID, when churches shut down, my corgi stool business just kind of went on pause. And I 
picked up a paintbrush after 30 years of not painting very much. So um, I, I'm in a space where I'm trying new painting techniques and, and trying to build my skills again. And um, I've got a, a new one in the works that's kind of mixed media. It's combining watercolors and acrylics, which okay. is not typically done. And um, so that's my winter exploration. And I'm hoping that will um, evolve into a collection for the website. And uh, personally, I've got a, a pineapple quilt uh, started. I typically Lovely. quilt a piece something in January. There's something about the winter that uh, being inside that uh, provokes me to do that. And um, which that's kind of an interesting one because uh, my first quilts were log cabin quilts um, using the quilt in a day um, theory by Eleanor, Eleanor Burns. Burns yes. I, Pineapple quilt is kind of an extension of the log cabin. Um, so that's, that's, that's a lot true. of fun, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So are you doing it scrappy or do you have a specific color range or what are you doing there? Uh, scrappy, but with a blue and white theme. Um, I'm using scraps from my stole making. Um, oh, really? I, you know, waste not, want not. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. So I, I just save my scraps. I put them in buckets uh, sorted out by colors underneath my cutting table and um, several times a year, I reach in and, you know, wherever the pile is the largest and that becomes a quilt. And isn't that the most fun thing in a finished quilt is to be able to point to the different fabrics and say, this was, you know, in your case, such and such project for this person that I worked on. But for me, it's, you know, this was my mom's apron. This was one right. of my kids PJs, all those things. That's what I love best about Scrappy Quilt. It's that connection with the story once again. It absolutely is. Stories are everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we go, do you have a little nugget that you'd like to share with our listeners? Can be about a creative opportunity, can be a life lesson you've learned, whatever you'd like to share. Hmm. It's it's so wonderful that you asked this at the end of each of your podcasts. Um, you know, I spent six years in a public school art classroom teaching and um my nugget at that point in life was when a child would get frustrated by a mistake they'd made on their paper, uh, whatever they were creating, and ask for new paper, um, one out of frugality and one out of problem solving. My answer was always, or most often, um, well, what can you do with that? Right. You know, There's got to be a solution. What can you turn it into? And I, I think that has extended into my business today. Um, you often, as an artist, start out go in one direction and the spirit leads you in another direction and you sometimes have to step back and say hmm what can I do with that and uh and not just start over that's beautiful there you go (laughs) I love that I love that well thank you so very much for taking time to be with us today I appreciate it I really appreciate it too Susan best to you Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so that they can enjoy these stories too. Plus, I would love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com and don't forget to CC the nominee. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.